This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, my host, Nick and Dan. And gentlemen, we got a Spurs match review coming at everybody on a Monday night uh, because the Premier League scheduling knew that this would obviously be the best match of the weekend. Honestly, the rest of the weekend was pretty shit. I know City smashed Bournemouth. We'll talk about that. But this was by far and away the best match of the weekend, Nick. A uh, little bit tricky doing it during a Monday workday. I, at some point, just cut my losses and walked away from my work computer. I could not do both. Dude, yeah, I mean, one, Monday, I don't think Monday matches are great for anybody, match-going fans or whatever, but it was a, it was electric in there. There was a lot of anticipation for this match. Obviously, we are London rivals. They've never won anything. We've won everything. You know, so it's really a, a little brother, big brother syndrome. Uh, they have a really fancy stadium that looks like a toilet bowl. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it appears that there was some commentary over the weekend with Poch that really lit a, a flame under a bunch of Chelsea fans. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot going into this one, guys. It was it was a lot. There's no doubt about it, but uh, it was it was it ended up obviously in a good way. So I think we're going to have fun with this one. You know, we're going to break down uh, Tottenham getting battered everywhere they go. Tottenham get battered even at home. So that's pretty much the summary of what it's going to happen. We're going to jump into it, Dan, here with the three word match review. Everybody getting involved in this one. You love to see it. But I hate to break it to you, Dan. You broke your own rules with the first one. Come on. Well, because. Because they used less than three words, that's fine. Duh. It's it's a maximum, right? Uh, you know, just I really appreciate Michael Kane getting involved, just tweeting out Chelsea at full time. Phenomenal. Thanks Who for getting is involved. Michael in Kane for those listening and wondering the 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 famous actor. I, I imagine Brandon, based upon the movies that you do and don't Batman. watch, Batman. <laughs> is probably the one that I can go with there. Not the entire lexicon right. of other wonderful films Look, he's been in. I, I got the perfect crossover. When he was Alfred, he said, some men just want to see the world burn. That's like, hers. Um, like, like Angie's uh, high line. <laughs> uh, yeah, really good one there. Uh, Jesper with the that escalated quickly. A little bit of an anchorman callback there. Tana with the quiet chill game. Very apt description. Mr. Thurman with the video assisted. Ha, 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 ha. McGleasy with the book it, Dano. And then Jay Again, this is where I broke the rule, Brandon. I went with a four-word option, which was the three-point fucking lane. Well, it's hyphenated, so three-point. There you go. And then plenty of emojis. Jay, absolutely feeling like I think all of us were with the emojis afterwards. Uh, and, and that's what's so fun. Look, most of these came out of Discord. So fun to be in there today. Trust me, a lot of highs and a lot of lows. It was what it was. <laughs> Hey, mine is cocky Spurs humbled. That's right. Top of the table. My ass didn't see it today. Nick, what about you? Well, it's near and dear to my heart. Shithoused, shocking Spurs. Alliteration, shithousery, all a part of it. And you didn't capitalize Spurs, so uh, bonus points. Dan, what about Never you? Never do. Well, look, I've been watching a lot of uh, TikToks to get ready for Thanksgiving in a couple weeks here, and it got me in the mood to say Spurs, battered, fried. Hmm. Tasty. That that came from TikTok? No. Well, the inspiration, a food-related one was the inspiration because I've been in a food gotcha. process. That would have been funny. That's why I was just trying to figure it out here. I was like, wait. Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, thank you, everybody, for participating, especially on the days like today. 
it is so much fun to read what everybody put. And if you're bored at work or, you know, in the bathroom, just scrolling, go to the three-word match review. You will not be disappointed. A lot of good stuff in there. Uh, but hey, as I said, uh, Discord was popping. We've made the move. We're no longer doing it through Patreon. You can go right to Discord, right? Discord.gg. Check it out. London Blue Pod. Uh, you can subscribe right from there. We've got a bunch of different tiers. Uh, we're going to be even rolling out a free tier for all of you that want to just kind of get involved and see, you know, dip your toe in the water a little bit. But Discord is going to be our home away from the pod moving forward. We're super excited. Uh, put a lot of work and effort into it. And all the people that are there that have helped us build it, thank you. Uh, you are part of the community we want to be. And we want to invite the rest of you out there. Obviously, subscribe on YouTube. I'm rocking the retro throwback green, red, and Ooh, white sweatshirt. Nice. Yeah, Chelsea just launched on the retro series. I got that going. Uh, so you can check it out there. And we'll probably get some clips out on social. You know how we do it with Ishan, which is awesome. Uh, but we had a lot of content. Uh, we had the the preview drop Saturday. Matt Law dropped a little late today. So it's even better listening to the Matt Law preview because I, I walked him through Spurs and Chelsea and how we've been on such crazy paths, even though we kind of started in the same place. Uh, with new managers. Uh, and then obviously Blue Royalty smashed Villa 6 nothing. Not only that, Emma Hayes news, you have to go to them to listen yes. about what's going on with Emma Hayes uh, leaving Chelsea. Uh, and then a little special tease, Nick. I, I want to hold this one if you're okay with that. I want to I put this in the pocket and then we'll pull it out in, in just a second. Sound good? All you're, right, you're gonna, holstered. Put it in the pocket? Absolutely gonna, holstered. Okay, interesting. All right, jumping into this one. It was Tottenham the 6th of November in the Premier League Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. In case you missed it, Tottenham won Chelsea 4. Uh, Kulusevski getting the opener. Cole Palmer on the penalty getting the second. Jackson, Jackson, Jackson for the 3rd, the 4th, and the 5th. Uh, love to see it, especially the late goals. So we're going to kick it over to the fifth stand. The only fish off from Chelsea FC, run it back, live it back, soak up the enjoyment that you get from it. Thank you for letting us use it, Chelsea FC. Here we go. Rolls it into Kuliseski. Tottenham looking dangerous. Deflection, opening goal. That's given away very cheaply. Brilliant from Jackson. Sterling. And Palmer. So congested through the middle. Caicedo! Was about to say what a goal. But it's not going to count either. That, however, might be a red card. What's he going to do? Disallow the goal and send off Romero here? It's going to be a red card. It's going to be a penalty. Off you go. What a moment. Big deep breath. Oh, it's just in. Vicario got a big piece of it, but not enough. Three on two. Stay onside, Nicholas Jackson. Sterling has Palmer. Oh, it's an awful pass. But that. It's a free kick at least, and maybe a yellow card too. But Dogie's been booked. Nine-man Tottenham. Sterling goes, and that looked very tight. Here's the one-on-one, this is the moment. He passes it, Jackson scores it. Tottenham asks for a flag, it's not coming yet. And the Blues lead, finally. on Eric Dyer this time. Porro curls it in. Oh, it's dangerous! But it should be two each. Son, past his Sanchez saves and spares the Chelsea blushes for now, but for how much longer? 
Jackson in the middle again. How many times have we said that? That'll do it. He looks across to see if there's a flag. There isn't. Chelsea going to have to be a whole lot better. On for the hat-trick here. Does Jackson go for himself or does he go for Mudrick? He goes for himself and he walks it in. All right, deep breath time, Dan. Run us through the lineup. It was uh, exactly as you and uh, Sam predicted, wasn't it? Pretty much. Between the two of us, yes, we got it 100% accurate. Uh, I think both of us were 10 out of 11. But it was Robert, go long, Sanchez, with Reese James, Axel Di Sassi, Thiago Silva, and Levi Colwell as your back four, Moises Caicedo, and Enzo as a two, with Connor Gallagher kind of playing a little more in a central position with Sterling and Palmer on the left and right, and then Nico Jackson up top. We did see a couple of changes, a halftime sub, Marco Correa coming in for Levi Colwell, later indicating that it was due to the card and wanting to maybe make a little bit of a change. Mikhailo Mudrick coming in in the 58th minute, Enzo Fernandez coming out, and then it was the 77th minute, actually probably had like another 12 on top of that, uh, when Malagusto came out for Reese James to finally get a little bit of rest, and then Ugo Chukwu came out in the uh, came on the 90th minute for Sterling. Betty Ashiel, Matson, Washington, Madueke, and uh, Petrovic unused subs in this match. Chelsea with a massive 4.04 XG to Spurs 0.94. We had 61% of possession away from home. Obviously, huge caveats coming. Uh, We had 17 shots, 8 on target, 7 off target with 2 blocked. Spurs had 8 shots, 5 on target, only 1 shot off target and 2 blocked. Um, from there, we had 21 fouls to their 12. Love to see it. Five cautions to their three with their two sending offs. Could have not happened to a nicer bunch of people. Uh, from there, we had six big chances. Only missed two of them. Uh, Spurs had one and missed it. So uh, goals prevented, obviously. Um, what's his name again? The uh, Vicario. Uh, he prevented 0.62, where Sanchez on the negative 0.49. Anyways, one random stack. Uh, That's Anja's first home loss in 52 matches, apparently coming from Kendall Rowan X, which I wasn't nearly as impressed about that as you were, Dan. I mean, his last three clubs were Spurs, which they've been on an impressive run. Then it was Celtic, and then it was um, the team in Japan. Yokohama, something or other, but 52. Still, 52 is a long stretch in anything. And, you know, again, football is fluky, as we saw today. And so the fact that you go 52 without a single loss, uh, particularly transitioning into the Premier League with a Spurs side that has also been in transition, losing, I think, their talismanic player in Harry Kane and still running away to the top of the league up until this point. I don't know. 52 seemed really impressive. All right. Well, I'd rather talk to uh, one Mr. Nick Verlaney coming to you for the NPET shithouse moments of the match. Many, many moments in this game. There were many, many moments. Uh, First, Levi Colwell for falling over after the Romero uh, first kick that should have been a red as he kicked out to him. Uh, The kick wasn't that hard, but the reaction was just chef's kiss. Well done. Uh, Malagusto getting stuck in on Emerson Royale. Fantastic. Loved it. Reese James kind of bossing the whole side, but there were a couple of like, are you fucking kidding me? Looks at Udogi throughout the match. And then uh, Palmer with a couple of cynical fouls at the end, which just warmed the cockles of my heart. Uh, it was all great. It was nice to see that we were, uh, we were able to be shithouse without getting, um, what are those called? 
Right cards. Um, we didn't get any of them, and they got two of them, and that was really the difference of the match. Yeah. No, Palmer's all, pepucation is what that was. Yes. It was all good. Uh, enjoyed that one. So crazy, though. Ups and downs. I mean, this doesn't even do justice as we prepare it, but we're going to take a first ad break. When we get back, a little bit of a surprise, and then we're going to try to figure out how we're going to recap this. So thank you to the sponsors, and we'll be right back. Nick, what's in your pocket? Oh, yeah, I put this in there from earlier in the show. Um, if you are a fan of football and comedy um, and you saw the viral goal celebration video from one Carl Porter uh, earlier in September uh, and or it's just hit your uh, for you feed, whatever, on TikTok. Or if they're on uh, Instagram and getting reels two yeah. months later. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Um, then Wednesday's episode is going to be fun for you because we have a, an interview with Carl Porter. I sat down with him a couple of weeks ago and we recorded a bunch. We talked about comedy. We talked about football. Uh, he is just a super down to earth, funny guy. And I think you'll really enjoy it. Would love your feedback on the episode. Um, yes, you do have to listen to me host it. So it won't be as good as maybe you're used to from other people, but uh, Carl more than makes up for it on, on the back end. So uh, that is coming at you on Wednesday is a little special treat, a little nugget for you for uh, the reward for living through what was one of the craziest matches we've had in some time. Absolutely. No, so, so good. Um, my word, my word. Um, how, how do we even recap a match like this? Right? I mean, everything happened and then some. Like we, we've all seen the CFC Daily tweet. Right, we've all seen everyone try to recap this game, but it it had everything. I mean, I think the the running joke, Dan, was that we spent more time watching VAR watch the game than we actually saw like open play in the first half because you know VAR was involved in everything, even when it was unnecessary. There was red cards, there was goals, there was goals called back, there was potential red cards withdrawn. I, I mean, it was just absolutely insane just in the first half alone. Um, but well, I, I don't know, right? Like we started the game and I'm pretty sure the quote from Nick was, oh shit, we're going to get battered. But Dan, it just, it, it was all over the place. Well, I think it ended up netting out according to Opta that there was only about 23 minutes and 21 seconds of actually ball in play first half <laughs> based upon all of the time that ran off, like actual active play going on, which is very, very interesting. I don't know how you sum this one up. I really don't. I don't like I think we do through rematch review and I think it's funny, but also I don't know how many of them actually encapsulated what transpired, which was I think the antithesis of the rest of the games that we played this season where we typically have been pound for pound, I would say the better side or at least have structured ourselves in a way up into the point where we were near a goal and on paper, if you run the simulation, this Chelsea team in abstract would be performing much better than we are currently. And yet this game was the absolute inverse of what Chelsea have done all season, which is actually not play comprehensively a very good game, even with the beneficiary of one extra man on the pitch or two extra men on the pitch, yet walk away with a result that feels, I don't know, I feel light. I feel like you know punching upward i am super elated at the what the way that all the players are taking to instagram and kukurea talking about yeah of course we knew london is blue like all of those wonderful things nicks like the 
don't know. There's so much shithouse after the fact. We've gone through such a really rough run of it with the injuries, the results not going away, the decisions not going our way, not getting the luck necessarily. And this this felt like we just, I don't know, we had our last quarter and we, we walked into Vegas and we walked out like, I don't know, with like a major winning in the slot machine. Like it just, it all came good today. Yeah, I mean, one could say that the law of averages would would have a result like this happen for us uh, rather than against us as it, as it has so many different times. Um, one, let me just say, anytime you beat Tottenham for one fantastic result, right? Um, I know that some of my criticisms of the play that will come up here may sound like I'm uh, maybe angrier than I am about the performance, but just flat out, you beat Tottenham for one, they're top of the table. They hadn't lost a game all season in a place where they haven't lost all season to a manager who hasn't lost a home game in 52 games, all the momentum on their side, the media have now crowned them darlings and just a charming Australian dude. And I think people are, are just, uh, you know, in his uh, spell right now or under a spell, I should say like everything going against us, Potch making some unfortunate comments over the weekend at the, uh, at the press conference and, you know, Chelsea fans just being upset about the way that the results have gone knowing that the play should have yielded more. You win 4-1, it's all gravy. You get a hat trick from your striker who has been struggling to score all gravy. Um, and, you know, I, I do feel good for the team. You know, it, it you, you, never, you never take these sorts of things for granted, right? Like going, you know, we used to, we used to take it for granted going to, to White Hart Lane and getting three points and, and all that sort of stuff, but... You know, that's I think the dynamics have changed, right? The league's a lot more competitive than it used to be, Brandon. And, and this is a, a really good result for a team that needed it badly. I tell you what, resilient is all hell, this team today. It's the big matches, right? Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. Those are the matches that this team has showed up for. I think there's a lot in between that we're disappointed yep. with, you know, some of the, the results. But it shows that this team can go, uh, you know, punch for punch. And, um, you know, young and naive in a lot of different moments in the match. Uh, I mean, my, I, my hands were sweaty watching it with Elizabeth at the end. And I, I was just like, this is crazy. We are up two men. And I am so worried that we are going to concede an equalizer. Uh, you just, you shouldn't be in that position, you know, with this group. No. It, and the thing I'd say is like, we, we know after the Arsenal game that the team didn't quite have enough juice to get it over the line, right? A game that they thoroughly dominated and should have won that they needed that. Um, they needed today. They needed to prove that they could do it. They just went to the top of the, the league, uh, the top of the table team and, and beat them in their own place. But the thing I'd say for as naive and as young and as, as inexperienced as a lot of these players are, they kept their heads today, right? When Spurs, when Spurs clearly didn't, right? And and I think Potch knew that for someone like Levi Colwell, who's maybe a little spicier uh, character, son, you're going to sit on the bench in the second half and watch this one, right? We're, we can't risk you leveling the playing field with something that isn't necessarily a football action, right? Like, this sort of, this sort of stuff really matters. For Chelsea to end that game with as contentious and physical as it was with 11 players, you know, a handful of yellows in there, of course, 
We kept our heads compared to them. They got lost in the moment. Spurs got completely overwhelmed by the crowd and the noise and everything that happened. And those two Reds were thoroughly deserved. Like, there can be no question about the Reds. I mean, Romero is ridiculously bad at tackling. Um, The catch should not uh, be on the field anytime soon. I I hope the three matches is uh, upheld. Udogi's young and he made a mistake and you could tell straight away he knew he made a mistake and was sent off like we kept our heads in those moments and I think that was the difference in the game frankly no yeah look a a lot of things when you go through this like broke our way you know some of the time though to your point this team ended up keeping their heads way better than the Spurs side right and and that's a, a level of credit um I think uh, my, my big concern or kind of complaint was like the inability to, to defend at the end and, and kind of giving way cheap fouls unnecessarily. We finally got a good spell where we were able to possess. Um, but there was times even down two men that Spurs would make us a little bit uncomfortable with the press. And I was just like, oh, man, we got to we got to clean this up, tighten it up. You know, they're at half. Don't get all the way to half and then look for a pass like you should be looking for a pass 10 yards before. Uh, and then finally, we figured it out with runs from deep, whereas Cucurella and, and midfielders Cole and Sterling uh, Jackson just kept standing at the line waiting to jump. And you're just like, no, run five yards, much easier, play it in. So, it, you know, they figured it out. I think that's part of it, right, is it took a lot to get the last two goals. Uh, but Jackson going from uh, a goal, a bunch of offsides, to getting his last two. I think he was a huge focal point, Dan, uh, positive and negative. But at the end of the day, he, he got a hat trick. I love the scoreline. I'm hanging my hat on the scoreline. Hey, we can go to the training pitch tomorrow and sort out everything else. But at the end of the day, we just rocked up to Tottenham Stadium, smashed Spurs, the number one team in the league, and walked out of there 4-1 with um, Jackson getting a hat trick. Like, yeah, I'm going to lean into all of that right now, but I know a lot of people aren't. Look, I think the criticism comes twofold. One, the way that the offside kept on running where... And the way it was being officiated, which we'll talk about, too, with the very late flags, the flags that like I ordered this Chris, uh, this gift for Christmas and it arrived on Easter type of late. Like that's the delivery experience we're talking about right here. I mean, he didn't have I mean, when you think about it, you know, in terms of the ones that were offside, I mean, he had five shots on target, one off, one very far off in terms of uh, uh, sky in the high in the high so high um, situation uh, hang out with the SpaceX projects or something of that nature but the big chances like he actually hit today like he hit on his big chances he only had one miss that was technically considered a big chance so big chances an XG above 0.3 and so like yes I I do think was it the most complete striker performance you've ever seen? No, 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 no. Is there still a lot of room for Nico Jackson at this point in his career? Absolutely. Have we been also asking for him to find some way into confidence and be able to carry forward some form in the league, particularly we know that Armando Broya didn't make the bench, so we know that he's still far off from fitness. So, like, we are going to continue to see Nico Jackson play as long as he is healthy a whole lot between now and the end of, you know, mid to late January until Chelsea may or may not reinforce with the striker. And I would rather be the team that had a guy score three goals, could have had more, and has the confidence now, Nick, to go carry himself forward. And look, 
I know people thought the celebration, <laughs> the the celebration at the end was maybe over the top. I don't know. Like this guy has been slated for weeks and weeks and it weeks. I, I I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him. It was an incomplete performance. We can say that. But don't you? You this is what you want. You want your striker to be scoring goals. It's great. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little much for me personally, but that's okay. You know, I mean, it, it, I haven't ever scored a hat trick in the Premier League either, so I don't know how I'd how I'd respond to that. Um, yeah, Ollie Glanville with a couple of stats here that may shock people um, from from Duncan Alexander. Uh, Nico Jackson now has as many Premier League goals this season as Ollie Watkins and Evan Ferguson. Just a note. Uh, Jackson now has as many Premier League hat tricks as Dennis Bergkamp and Eric Cantona. So, I mean, not terrible company. Um, you know, again, we knew based on some of the reporting over the summer that he's a streaky striker, right? That he will go stretches where it's a drought and then the, the rain shall fall. And dear God, Brandon, do we need the rains to start falling? Cause we're in this critical stretch of games. And if he is able to deliver goals, I don't, to be, to be completely candid, I don't give a fuck about the holistic performance. I care if the ball goes in the back of the net if he's able to put the ball in the back of the net in the next, the next two months, we're going to have a whole different outlook on that period than we would have otherwise. Oh, look, a, a hat trick against the number one team in the league for him is what matters. He's not going to really look into the Tottenham-Chelsea rivalry. You know, he doesn't have a lot of Chelsea heritage. He's just going to look at ways to to pump him up for this being a big result for him and, and, and big for his confidence. So I think, you know, was there. So, um you know, I really enjoyed the last one, literally putting Vicario on his backside and, and casually walking yeah. it in. Um, that was nice. That was, that was really, really enjoyable. Uh, so, you know, you just, you take it and run. Like, is this perfect? No, Potch and the team, they're going to go back and break it down, I promise you. Like, we don't need to to overanalyze it. I think there's a lot uh, to go as well. I mean, Potch even said it. He said, I uh, told Sky, we started the game sloppy, made too many mistakes in possession. We saw that. Uh, which was uh, uh, a struggle and put ourselves in bad situations. Uh, but then CFC Daily tweeted that Chelsea's first win away against a big six club, quote-unquote, since we beat Tottenham 3-0 in 2021, first in general since January 2022. This is something I even talked about with Matt in the preview. You know, it's like that was the one kind of stat looming over our head. And I hate that it's Tottenham, right? Like it could have been Liverpool, should have been Arsenal, but it's Tottenham and that's fine. Was that the Ziyech, like, peach of a, a goal? I think so. He just, just opened up wow. and, and placed it backside. God, that feels like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. I um I was actually thinking about this the other day. I don't know where Ziyech is. He went to Saudi Arabia? He went to Turkey. Okay. I literally could not remember where he went, and I was racking my brain. Uh, to the point, Ziyech feels like a long time ago. Um. The problem, Dan, is that statement win, quote unquote, part. It's yeah, that's the thing that had been missing. I know we drew Tottenham last season. You know, we had the the two two draw at the beginning. They smacked us in the second part of the season. So um, this is good, right? Drew Liverpool, drew Arsenal, now beat Tottenham. These are positive results. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone. I, I mean, I. I guess I shouldn't make an assumption, but I would assume that there would not be a large amount of disagreement for that because this is the side that is at the top of the Premier League. And this is a side now who, where we're kind of maybe sliding door type of moments, 
we're hyped up. Players are coming back healthy. We now have shown an ability to persevere again. I get again. So it was nine, nine men for a lot in the match. And we had a lot of luck. But you also have to take every chance that comes to you. This is a Tottenham side that had significant injuries in key positions now had multiple players pick up cards who will now miss games through suspension is going into as equally tough a run as we are going into over the next couple of weeks. This could be, you know, there was a stat during the broadcast about how six of the last 12 sides who's had as many points as Tottenham have now at this point in the season and were in first place have gone on to win the Premier League. So you have a 50-50 shot according to the stats. Like this potentially... The result plus the impact of this game could be the reason that they will be the one extra one now out of 13 that wasn't able to get it done because that is the type of mentality that the Spurs DNA, like we're exposing the genome, Nick, like the Spurs DNA was alive and well. Yeah, I mean, Olivia Bazaglo via Matt Ridley at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, played six, or played eight, won six, draw one, lost one, scored 12, conceded four. You compare that to Pep Guardiola's record at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or away at Spurs, whatever, uh, and it's it's certainly not as uh, as clinical uh, in any way. And, like, I, you know, I, w- I would say this too, right? Like, we are... We're going to talk about the VAR. We'll talk, I'm sure, about the injuries and all that sort of stuff. Like... This, we needed this more than they did. Like, flat out. You could talk about the title. They're Spurs. They're not winning the title. Uh, But being in Europe is a big deal for them. Getting out of 12th place is a much bigger deal for us. And the way the game started, I wasn't sure if we had, had, you know, made that very clear to the players. But to get the win, you know, maybe against the run of play, and to, to get it done in a fashion that gets us into some positive goal differential, um, you know, territory, I, I'm happy with. I don't think the performance was fantastic, Brandon. I'd like to talk about that at some point, but please don't let it take away from what this means to potentially our season, too. Because you have to remember, getting this done, beating the best team in the league statistically, although I think we all agree City are still the best team in the league realistically, is it could change our season too. Could change the trajectory of where we are at if these young guys know that they can do that. So I'm pleased about that. Yeah, it, cue up the the rant. My final one right here is it, it was not ugly, you know. But Tottenham also made it not pretty, you know, on their part. You know, they they tried to disrupt things and they did it even when you know we're up a player, then up two players. Like they still found a way to to make it annoying. But at the end of the day. You know, we played 90 minutes. Sometimes you play 100 and some. Um, and, and the players got it done start to finish. I think that's what matters. There's a lot of things we can nitpick and, and look at. But through all of the adversity, um, Chelsea really didn't back down to this Tottenham side and, like, feel scared, even going down a goal. They're young. They make mistakes. They switch off at inopportune times. But throughout the entire match that was very tough, uh, Chelsea were resolute and stuck in. And seeing Levi Colwell step in front of players, um, you know, Reese James and and everyone, Enzo and and 
Connor, like no one was afraid of a fight today. And that is what I love to see it. Clayton Beerman, friend of the pod tweeted that he's, it was so refreshing to see two teams that hated each other. Cause a lot of times you don't get that. And it was true fun. And damn, do I like walking away saying it's four one. What do you have to say? Don't care. Four one. <laughs> Buenas noches. I'm out. Anyways, Dan, over to you. Uh, what, what else do you want me to say? Was there something you wanted me to say there? Over to me for, I, I mean, Cole Palmer was great today. Like, we're talking about other things that went really well. Like, he just continues to be awesome. Ice cold shushing moment, too. Like, <sighs> phenomenal. Uh, look, I, the, love, the, I love <laughs> me some Cole Palmer, man. Yeah, like, you want to talk about those fifth, first 15 minutes where nothing went well. We barely had the ball. We couldn't get out of our own half. That was the only guy on the field who was able to take the ball, possess it, and pass it to one of our players. Like, think about it. Like, wh when you're giving out man of the match awards, he's my man of the match. Still, Nico got a hat trick, and I know that goes that cuts against popular opinion. Cole Palmer is fucking insane. He's so good. Yeah. He's so good at using his body. He's so good at baiting uh, bad passes into him. I mean, the guy is class. Yeah. I, I think we can uh, cherry pick some of the players here. We're going to take a last break when we get back. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go a little bit uno, uh, uno. So thank you to the sponsors. And we'll be right back. I mean, Nick, that that's it, right? As far as like the, the end result, the creativity, the catalyst, uh, Cole Palmer's it for this team. Um, he, his vision, his range of passing, like he looks like a, an awkward player, but he's just so fluid on the ball and in the pitch. Like, he just moves with the game. And I think that that's something that really surprised me. I think I just tweeted out, too, because everyone was kind of just putting all their different stuff out there. But, you know, the Secret Scout tweeted, goal versus Burnley, goal versus Arsenal, blanked versus Brentford, assist versus Blackburn, now goal versus Spurs. That's three goals and assists in the last five matches, right? Like, get ready, Euros. Southgate, like... Make sure you're paying attention. Cole Palmer's backpacking Chelsea right now. Yeah, he is in moments of chaos. Cole Palmer is calm. He does not get baited into making silly panic decisions. His delivery, of course, is fantastic. And Dan, you want to talk about that fucking penalty? Like, <laughs> The balls to do that in that stadium, again, penalty against Spurs, penalty against Arsenal. Uh, these are not small moments that, that the kid has stepped into. Well, no. And, I mean, look, it still went in, right? It, it got, you know, the keeper got a hand to it, knocked it onto the post, bound it back in. You know, they, they all count. So another one for him, another dub for him. And in general, like on the day, his stats, uh, very, very nice. So when you look at just the fact that like he was competing for the ball, he had, uh, six ground duels, one out of nine. Um, he ended up, uh, successful four out of five dribbles. He had one big chance created, which was converted. He had uh, three accurate long balls out of four, uh, didn't necessarily land in his crosses, but in general, like just, you know, he continues to be a pretty promising player. And I'm just interested to see like when Nkunku comes back, how does that transform this side further? How does he linchpin this attack? And then what does that allow Cole to do or others to do? Uh, I think another one that I, I really enjoyed actually was the sub of Kukurea on for Levi Colwell. I thought Kukurea came in with some fire. 
again. And the I really, I really wanted that goal for him, Brandon. Like I, I, I think he, he had he had enough Pass composure the in the moment. <laughs> he had enough composure in the ball. moment. It just needed to be a touch higher. <sighs> if it was a touch higher, it was in. Oh man, it was. I don't know. I, I really, I liked what he brought in for his uh, second half cameo. Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he harassed Spurs. <laughs> he had a ton of space, right? They're playing a 4 3 2. Um, he made the runs, created some stuff. He's good at tackling back. But I, I mean, you know, I, I think it was fine. I did notice that uh, Potch is happy to play the two wingbacks, fullbacks today in the second half, obviously, when they're up, which makes a hell of a lot of sense. A ton of mobility, uh, a ton of, of pace, and you didn't need the height in that situation. So tracking back and recoveries, I thought that was a really good play. Uh, I have someone else I want to talk to because I'm not interested in Cucurella right now, Nick. But what were you going to say? Oh, is his name Reese James? No, but you can go there. Captain Reese James. Okay. Yeah, I thought that Reese was back to some of his best today. Um, I really do. Obviously, man advantage uh, for the majority of the time that he was on the pitch. Um, he was able to get forward a little bit more. I thought that he tracked back well defensively. I thought that in moments of panic, he was marshalling and would even step into midfield a little bit to regain control of the ball, uh, kind of spell Caicedo for who was running around fucking everywhere uh, today um, and and definitely doing his job and Enzo's job for a bit. Um, so Enzo on, on the naughty list today, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I think Reese James for the 76 minutes that he was on uh, was, was very good. And that's an intense one for the guy who's just coming back for the injury, right? Like this is a, a really intense match. Obviously a lot of physical tackles flying in. Uh, he didn't seem bothered. He didn't seem limping when he came off or anything like that. So, you know, just keep knocking on wood. So check this out. Uh, was not dribbled past while he was on the pitch. Uh, won four out of his five ground duels. Had three key passes. And created one big chance. And he completed one of his two, I think, one of his two dribbles. And if anyone would crash a post when he hits a set piece, he'd have a bunch of assists, too. Just, they refuse to do it. Makes no sense, but I digress. Yeah, back to zero for six on his crosses. Our, 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 we don't know where to sh- look for in the box where we are. Like, I don't think that's a Reese James problem. That's a system or people problem. Um, I thought you kind of alluded to it, but Moises Casado, like, Oh my God. Uh, Outrageous. It's so good. Right. You look at this heat map. Like, Dan, it's when you're trying to just like use your finger to just cover the screen. <laughs> and yeah, that's that was his heat map. Left, right, front, center, like front, back. He was absolutely everywhere and he had a job and he had 93% pass percentage. Like, he didn't lose possession. Um, he was five for seven on long balls, obviously played the one into Mudrick that he stomped on Vicario, which he kicked. He didn't stomp. He kicked, um, he won, uh, you know, won an aerial duel, right? Good for him, but it's just his ability to break everything up. Right. Also was never dribbled past, um, had a banger of a goal. And again, just is, is, I don't know. I like, he's growing this season weak foot too that was a weak foot yeah he's he's growing Look, this season now that he's finally getting up into fitness you know he had the the long drawn out transfer saga which is our fault uh but now that he's with the team and in getting used to the people around him um i'm i'm comfortable with him in possession even playing out of the back the center backs are looking for him he had not again 92 93 passing accuracy 
uh, on a day where it was super sloppy. Like, good for him. Crazy that when you have players who are fit, when they're able to play with the same players time and time again, when they're able to practice and build patterns, that they start to produce regular outcomes. Like, this is wild to me (laughs) that ultimately we would be reaping the rewards of good work and good partnerships on the pitch when we have players who are repeating and in the right positions. You know, I think, you know, the way that Reese and Caicedo and Palmer on the right-hand side, or even uh, Sterling, when he moved onto the right-hand side later in the match, like there, there were really good partnerships that were forming. Again, it was just, it was incomplete because we're also playing a team that went with the, a very fun way to play us with nine men. And (laughs) they went, they went uh, ultra aggressive on the FIFA settings or the EAFC settings to play uh, as crazy as they possibly could. But yeah, I mean, in general, I think it was a, uh, it was a strong night for him. I mean, I think the defense overall was probably the biggest point of concern near the, the end and even in the first 15 minutes or so. But uh, I don't think there was a lot of questions around the the attackers um, in general. The midfielders in general had mostly the the better night if we're talking about just like the groups of positions. Gallagher returned to form too tonight. Yes. Um, he was everywhere up front, pressing, harrying, winning the ball back, getting physical. You know, I thought that you know he's obviously been captain while while Reese was out. He's carried that sort of. Aura, I suppose, is, is a word with him. Um, pulling Levi aside after Levi got into a bit of a shoving match, and you know, I think in general, just like you know, he's an honest broker. You know, if he gets tackled, he doesn't uh, you know freak out at the opposing player. I think he showed a lot of leadership today too. So, yeah, big big on Connor. Assist as well for those who care about his stats. He just can't stop running. Right, pressing until the very, very end. So good on him. Uh, I, big fan of Sanchez's save on Son late. Like, Disasi slipped for a second. And I was like, oh, shit, here it is. Um, he did well. It wasn't brilliant, but he did well, and I think that that's all that, that really mattered. Um, Mudrik, a night to forget, unfortunately, was not the impact yeah. sub that we wanted, Dan. Uh, you know, I think... Leslie yeah. struggled a little bit late in the match. Gusto wasn't his best one, but overall, like, um, I think Poch is probably going to be upset that the subs he did put in to kind of change the match in a certain way. They just didn't stick for him, unfortunately. Well, no, because we, we also had gave up some set pieces, which were the was really the other area of concern. I think it's just something to look at is on set pieces, either on defending or on attacking them. We are just bad. We are not good on either front when it comes to set pieces or dead ball plays at the moment. And whether it's not knowing where to run to try to attack the ball in an open area to convert a chance from one of our attackers or or our players or to get in the way of (laughs) Nick's with his Zoom responses or reactions are still alive, (laughs) which is great. Um, With, uh, you know, not knowing where to be and not necessarily standing up to prevent someone like Dyer, um, you know, if he had been onside uh, converting converting an opportunity there. So just set piece play in general has to improve and you hope that the, you know, Poch and team are looking at that. Two other players really quick and then I I would like to just talk about the lack of counterattacking ability that we have. Uh, Enzo was (laughs) nowhere today. 
he was he was nowhere. Uh, obviously wins the penalty, which is great. Um, I think that's more on Romero than it is on Enzo to be to be candid. But you mean the king of calm? <laughs> yes, the king of calm. Um, it's he's a calmer Romero. I think we all know that. It's you know headspace sponsor. He's also taken up a partnership with BetterHelp. It's just really cool <laughs> how his his on pitch performances align with his outside passions. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, into meditation, obviously, um, but. Yeah, let me just Enzo. Uh, not good enough, man. And uh, not 120 million worth of a midfielder so far this season. Um, he looks really, really leggy. The passes were not crisp at all. He was slow going into challenges. He was slow receiving the ball. Like when he came off, I thought, yeah, man, that's a deserved uh, walk over to the bench because. That was not necessarily good enough. And then a couple of rough games for Levi. Um, You know, I I don't think he necessarily did a whole lot wrong. I mean, obviously the deflection off of his back for the goal, it's like shit like that happens. But I didn't love the back off, and I didn't love the way that he was playing the wing. I would have thought someone of his immense passing ability, which we all know that he has, could have broken there insane high line um the, the high line is a joke to me but you know whatever keep playing it and we'll keep beating it but i you know i just didn't think that levi had a phenomenal game either and you know uh, if i'm if i'm kukurea i'm probably going over to the boss and being like hey you know i think i've been playing pretty well you, know, you want to put me back in against city and see what happens yeah L- last thing that we've we've conveniently tucked at the end on purpose is the VAR and officiating because look, it was un disastre. It was, it it was so much to the point, Dan, like I said, I mean, I think, or you said like we ended up watching more of the VAR watching the match than we watched the first half. I think it calmed down a little bit in the second half. That's because Spurs just had less players to cause issues. I think Oliver is the next referee to go down to the championship. Like, I, and I almost feel bad for him though today, because like the VAR clearly were like, you don't know what's going on, so we need to intervene at everything. Throw in, pause, timeout, check it. Oh, okay, good. Um, but like that just shows you how poorly they worked together today. Well, and there were some interesting ones too. Were like, you know, again, some super late line line officiating, but also some times where they they got it absolutely right. I mean, like the, the, the dire header, whatever, getting ruled offside immediately, like hundred percent correct. Yet we got like a three minute delay to like do the lines and to check and to validate. There was the extra time situation where it's like, well, wait a minute, we're going to rule out the Caicedo goal for the player being down. But then we also have to then go look at the other scenario where, there was now a red card offense. Uh, some of the red card offenses not necessarily getting adjudicated the right way. I mean, we're, you know, Michael Oliver can only do what he is being told by the VAR. And like, I'm sure we'll get some clips out of this in the next couple of days when they do their supplemental show and they review bits of it because we were also getting commentary where they were talking about what VAR was saying. So they have a line into it. So they understand or can hear some of the commentary that's going on, Nick. But I think in general, like most of the big decisions actually like got right eventually, but it didn't necessarily happen the first time a player did something. It was the second time a player did something. 
Um, and so that was probably the more frustrating part that it took a second chance or a second go at a lot of these decisions for whether it was uh, Romero or uh, Udogi or others actually getting adjudicated the right way was was frustrating. I mean, played 21 minutes of added time. 21. And I don't even th- I think the 12 in the first half was generous on the low end. Um, I mean, VAR is completely fucking broken. It's broken. Yes, they got the calls eventually right. But like, that's not the point. If you if we wanted timeouts, we would play American football. <laughs> if we wanted challenges, we'd play American football like this is this is way too much. And like, it shouldn't take you like the fact that they didn't recommend Romero's red card on Enzo and and he had to go over to the monitor after the 12 minutes of reviewing the entire play, like make the fucking call guys. Like it's clear and obvious what it is. He's up halfway on his shin. Like what else do you fucking need? I, I, I that's what I don't, I don't get like, I don't even, Brandon, to your point, like, I, I don't even think that Oliver himself was awful today. Yes, I got mad at some of the inconsistency of foul calls and no foul calls and physicality versus physicality and what all that meant. But, like, I think by and large, like, he on the field was serviceable in a high-pressure, high-intensity match. But, like, clearly they they are not connected well no. enough to no. work together as a unit. Like that doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't think we've seen VAR review this many things in a match. Like I'm ready for that stat, right? Like the number of plays reviewed in this one and a lot happened. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, Hey, we're going to go review this. Oh, but then we got to go look at Raheem Sterling's handball. Oh, and I'm going to look at Romero kicking out at Levi. Oh, and then we're going to look. And it was just like <laughs> the, the header at the end in the middle of the second half for Dyer's goal. Did, did it flick? Did it flick off DeSassi? Did it flick off Silva? Fuck, you don't know? There's no shot. You were going frame by frame and can convincingly tell. And that's it. It's like, give up. But they were so adamant, so adamant to be involved in this one. When it's, was there clear and obvious error on the pitch? I don't know, but we're going to review it to death and then not really be sure and continue with it. Like, this is the problem, Var. There's no role. There's no real, like, clear defined role. They're just popping up everywhere and consistently. And it's just, if that's what VAR is for the Premier League, then fucking bin it. Right. Bin it. 100%. Like, I, yeah. and I know we're on the, uh, on the positive side of, of the calls to your point, Dan, but like, this isn't what we want. No celebrating, standing around waiting. Sure. Players are going to get crampy. Like, it, this doesn't do much for the game. If the game is this broken, then we should probably pack it up and head home. I mean, the only hope is that this is like where the NFL was in its evolution phase. And like, this is the the floor and that there is a ceiling that we can get to in the future where VAR can be quicker, can be more accurate because we've gone through the cycles of it not working well and iterating towards a better implementation of it. It just feels like that ceiling is very, very far away. It's like uh, looking up at the top of the Vatican from ground level. Like you're just, you're, you're staring up into the heavens. Like it's absolutely, I don't know when and where we get, uh, how we get there, but. Uh, man. What are we, like, year three? I don't know. I was, I think, I think it was kind of fun for a neutral though. I talked to a couple of people, like I texted with a few people who were watching the game. You're like, man, this is awesome. Like they love this game. Oh, 
I don't I don't doubt that at all. You love the intensity of it, but you don't love the th- eight minutes between a ball being kicked. I mean, I, I will say this too. Unlike Jurgen Klopp, unlike Mikel Arteta, uh, Ange handled this well on the back end. I thought he handled the, the VAR controversy. Didn't call for Oliver to be banned from all Tottenham matches. I think Poch handled it pretty well as in the in the post-game press conference as well. That's what responsible management looks like. Mikel Arteta embarrassed himself at the weekend. As as right as he might have been, he embarrassed himself. Klopp has embarrassed himself in talking about calls that are missed. We get calls against us all the fucking time, boys. Like all the time. We were on the wrong end of that wrong end of that stick a lot. And like there's just a way to handle yourself. I don't think either one of those two handled themselves well. I think Poch and Ange did a, a much better, more classy job at the end of this one trying to get into it because I it just we're not fixing this thing. Like clearly we're not fixing it. The, the other thing, though, that's interesting is like looking at the reaction from the Spurs supporter side and the Chelsea supporter side after the end of this match, where we have talked about how we've enjoyed the match, how they're you celebrate a win. But we're not talking about this as like the defining moment of our season and how this is going to necessarily be the thing that we hang our hat on or that goes on the DVD cover uh, or Blu-ray cover. Whereas Spurs supporters are talking about how like, man, this is a fucking game, but, like, this this proves who we are. Like, they're taking all the participation medals for this one and doing, like, the pats on the back for it. Like, that's how you know that they're even in this moment of time where Chelsea have not performed well, when Chelsea have not necessarily done the business on the pitch as much as they've done off the pitch, that the standard difference is so much higher at Chelsea than it is at Tottenham. If I could round out by saying one thing here. If we don't fix our ability to pass on a counterattack, I am I'm gonna have no hair by the end of the season. I think we missed somewhere no in the challenge. neighborhood <laughs> conservatively of twenty counterattacks where there is a ball to be played and that ball did not reach a person that could score a goal with the ball. Raheem Sterling being uh, a chief culprit on many of those occasions, uh Kukurea being a culprit on an occasion. Mudrick being culprit on an occasion, uh, even Palmer missing one, Gallagher missing a couple, Enzo missing a couple. The, the, you're playing the dumbest defense in the history of the world. Lob the ball over the top, go score some goals. Counterattacking needs to become a lot more clinical. And I think my buddy Joe summed it up. He's like, I think we're the only team that can't cut a ball back and hit it into the goal at times. Now we did it, luckily, at the end of the game, but... Holy shit, was that brutal to watch? I mean, no, fiend. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, okay. Uh, I mean, anything else? We we obviously covered a lot, but you know, a hell of a lot, you know, happened in in this one. But uh, you know, keeping the vibes light, I appreciate it, Dan. What else? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I it makes me excited to go play City. Let's do the same thing against them. I tell you what, we did essentially take Spurs apart piece by piece. They don't have a lot going on for them for the rest of the month. There's an international break, but like the injuries and the suspensions, like we, we gutted them like that sucks for them. You're us to the premier league. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Madison looked like ankle or Achilles. 
so that is rough. Uh, obviously, Van de Ven uh, with the hamstring that looked brutal. I mean, he pulled up so hard. smart to continue to play a high line. So all you're doing is turning and sprinting. <laughs> yep, fantastic game planning by by Big Ange, uh, the world's greatest manager. Uh, who else did they have go out? Um, they had like four or five injuries, didn't they? Something like uh, that. I mean, those are the big ones. Obviously, uh, Vicario almost, right? I think based on how that was going to work out. But oh, yeah. no, I think that was those are like the two big ones. But Oh, and then the cards. Exactly. The, now the you have cards. suspensions yeah. as well. And I think they already had injuries. Uh, if I look at their their squad as well. So like Perisic is out, Sessignon, Solomon, um, and Ben Davies, they're all out or doubtful. So They are not a deep squad over there. Nope. Did Chelsea do this on purpose? Were they reckless in this match? <laughs> Dismantled them. Talk sport tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, no shit. All right, we did get to run Dan in the match, which feels so good. Uh, Dan, if it's a win, we're in. What do we have? Well, we had Cole Palmer, as Nick predicted, running away with it, 50% of the vote. Nico Jackson, though, uh, with everybody's worst hat trick performance, as uh, many people are tweeting at me saying, as many people are saying, it's the worst hat trick they've ever seen in their lives. As if we're uh, spoiled first, for goals and hat tricks, people. Yeah, let's, let's come on. Yeah, that was uh, <laughs> uh, that was that was ten percent of total, like almost total goal volume in the Premier League last season. Let's just kind of think about that. Uh, Nico Jackson with thirty-five percent. It was eight percent for Connor Gallagher, and then Reese James with six percent. So. That's that's about right. That feels good to me. Those are the ones. Yeah. I Cole Palmer will continue Dang. my quote tweeting campaign. So <laughs> you're thank yeah. you. But putting your thumb on the scale there, are you? Look, Sanchez made a great save. I will continue my campaign as often as I can. What do you I think can. about his distribution in this game? Yeah, how about that? Costs us zero goals <laughs> today. All right, great. That's what we're talking about. It's not man of the month. Man of the match, <laughs> like he, this is—he's he, not the man of the month. He's the man that's. This that's is what we up. asked. Look, he, he's big, made some saves, and uh, uh, only got beat off a deflection. But no, I, I'm just going to continue the campaign because it's fun. Like I said, dismal amount or dismal results from the league and the rest of the weekend. Nothing really to get excited about. Uh, Fulham losing to Man United one nothing. Honestly, shouldn't have happened. United <sighs> getting bailed out again. Uh, Brentford three, West Ham two, bit of a surprise there. Uh, that's a nice little East versus West London. Burnley soon to be relegated zero crystal palace two. <laughs> Everton Brighton one, one. That was a bit of a surprise result. I think Everton kind of finding a little bit of form man city six Bournemouth one, not much of a surprise other than the fact they scored six goals and Erling Holland was involved in none of them off injured Sheffield United two wolves one Newcastle one Arsenal nil that's uh, to Nick's point but the Arteta meltdown Forest two Villa nil shocking shocking former blue Ola Ana getting the goal getting a goal there shame shame you couldn't have talked to Matt on today True. about the results True. you know Interesting. Uh, sorry, Villa. Uh, Luton won. Liverpool won. Also fascinating. Liverpool were about eight minutes away from losing that one to the Hatters. Uh, then obviously Chelsea today. So it just mixed results, Nick. Um, you know, from a fantasy perspective, not a lot of points were able to be gathered. Um, and <laughs> disastrous uh, weekend for yeah, fantasy. Yeah, <laughs> I mean a couple upsets oh. as well. But uh, yeah, I mean it definitely shook the table up a little bit, top and bottom. 
Yeah. I, shout to Sheffield United getting their first win of the season. Uh, you know, that there you go. Uh, but yeah, I think the uh, Sheffield United Burnley pairing is almost certain to go down uh, this year. So really, you're just fighting for one more spot if you're Bournemouth, Luton, Everton, or now Fulham yeah. kind of entering into that territory. Uh-oh. Um, yeah, and then now City on top, uh, where probably they belong, let's be honest. Uh, 27 points. Spurs in second on uh, 26 points. Blah. Liverpool uh, in third on 24 points. Arsenal right behind them on 24 points with the worst goal diff. Villa in fifth on 22 points. That Those three points could have taken them into the top four, and they did not get them. Uh, Newcastle on 20, Brighton on 18, United on 18, Brentford on 16. And and wait a minute. What do I see there in 10th place, Brandon? Who is that? Blue line. Can you believe it? Do your eyes deceive? Villa were lost. They were one Nottingham Forest result away from being in third place. Yes. Holy shit. What an opportunity missed. Uh, that's right. Chelsea in 10th uh, with with sights to jump United. I mean, I think that's really where we want to get as far as the next mile marker goes. Uh, but Bournemouth, uh, Burnley, and Sheffield United at the bottom. Dan? I mean, we're, th- we're only three points off of seventh right now for as bad as it's been. Correct. So a little solace there. Dan, as I said on previous pods, it all came down to uh, – Taking the show on the road a little bit. Turns out we're pretty good uh, when we leave the bridge, which is unfortunate and sucks. But this uh, this short jaunt uh, across the Premier League away from the bridge actually might be good. Uh, I say that because I set up for Tottenham, and we've got Man City at home next, but then a few more on the road. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, well, we have... Uh you know, the Man United game, the Everton game, you know, those potentially could be ones to hopefully pick up some points. Like getting the win over United would be pretty huge to kind of flip flop the the position as well. So, and look, some of these sides are heading into like, as we are starting to get players back healthy, which is the knock on wood moment for everyone. Um, some of these other sides are running into injury problems of their own. Newcastle, I think I would circle them as a very questionable team at the moment likely to struggle over their next round of matches too. So uh, actually might've been a very favorable draw for us in the cup of the remaining teams. I don't think they wanted that extra game necessarily against Chelsea. So if they see us in these next four to five matches, particularly after, uh, you know, we play them, uh, you know, away to them, maybe we, maybe we could do the double on them over uh, the next uh, month. That'd be great. Well, I tell you what, uh, city at home is the next one. They owe us after today, so let's just uh, call it a draw and be done with it. I think that's the only gentlemanly thing I would, to do. I would love a draw. if we Sign could up just, for it now. <laughs> just a little handshake yeah. there at the beginning, a little wink between Potch and, and Pep. Just, bam, we all know what we're in for. I think that's the only way to handle this like gentlemen. But we'll see. We're still going to play the match. Uh, that'll come on Sunday. Uh, we've all gone through daylight savings unless you're in Arizona and a few other states. Uh, so we're back to, to normalcy between us and the UK. Um, a lot coming at you guys this week. Uh, Nick's point. We've got, uh, a special show coming at you midweek. Um, kind of it's, it's the money part of the season. We're looking at the schedule. There's a lot to be coming at you guys. We've got some cool things that we're going to announce coming down the line. Check out YouTube, uh, check out the clips, get involved in the discord. It's just, it's, it's just another good time to get involved in more ways than none. Oh, last, last little moment here. We are, uh, we're going to close our, 
our shop down for the for the remainder of the year on November 20th. Uh, so if you're looking for a little London is blue swag for a uh, person or people that uh, you love for Christmas or any other holidays that are coming up, uh, head on over to the store before November 20th. Grab yourself some merch. Uh, support the support the show. We haven't we haven't talked about merch in a while, but uh, that you know we're gonna kind of shut that down, revamp and and retool it uh, as we head into 2024, and need to take it down so that we can uh, do that. So remember that November 20th. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, more content coming at you this week. Uh, hope you enjoyed the Spurs one. Hope you're able to to soak it in and, and focus on the result and maybe not nitpick it because these don't come around very often. But anyways, that's going to do it. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Oh, 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 oh,